1: Well, hey there, commies. I know you believe you're building a utopia. But I gotta say, I did not expect pure unbridled panic to be one of the aspects of utopia. It's noon for Tuesday, June 22nd, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also occasionally find me on Gap at I'm your moderator and the merch site is www.cancelcotour.com. Today is the 153rd day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist, dummy, fake proxy president, Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. You got a strange way of pretending that you made all the pain stop because every time you open your mouths, it sounds like nothing but more fear and more panic and more pain coming out. You thought you defeated the orange man and all you had to do was steal an election. It would all go away. But the truth is now it's just all hitting you even harder. It's as if there's no escape. It's as if the utopia was a fantasy all along. It's as if there's a downside to building your entire life around a vision of reality that simply does not match actual reality. Who would have suspected? Now, at the same time, there's nothing I would like more than to extend a warm Tuesday high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, commies. Welcome to the show. I don't know how you got here. Maybe you were looking for... Chris Hayes's podcast, but in the midst of all your nervous panic, your nervous little finger touched the wrong podcast, and now you're hearing my voice instead of Rachel Maddow's Clark Kent, and you're thinking, well, <laughs> this version of Rachel Maddow doesn't seem to like communists very much. Perhaps I'm in the wrong place, and I can tell you, Commie, you are, but you're in a better place. And from that, you should learn the very life-fulfilling lesson that sometimes wrong turns turn out right. And of course, stay tuned for the next episode of One Tree Hill, where you'll learn more important lessons. But in the meantime, put on your safety helmets and strap on in. It's going to be an hour where you're like, oh man, why is he saying that all my ideas are stupid and evil? (laughs) <laughs> I can answer that one for you, commies. It's because they are stupid and evil. And I know you don't think so. I know everyone's telling you that you're doing the right things by supporting hulking New Zealand men becoming women just so they can dominate in powerlifting at the Olympics. I know you think that that is very forward thinking, but it's not. It's just cheating. And through the cheating, you can prove that the world you really want actually exists in real life. All it takes is a little cheating just this once, but then everyone will realize how right you were all along. And then you won't have to cheat because the whole world will just agree that, gosh, you were so right all along. Now we don't need to cheat anymore. All we had to do was cheat and lie one time. And now everything in the world of powerlifting is just perfect. Strap a gold medal on that man and call him a lady. And congratulations, you saved the world. Now, since I am not Chris Hayes and I am not Rachel Maddow's Clark Kent, Rachel Maddow, of course, being Superman here in this analogy or is it a metaphor who knows impossible to tell let's see what the actual rachel maddow is panicking about
2: it's one thing to notice how low rent and cockamamie this stuff is and the grifters and con artists and forgive me crazy people who are involved with all this stuff balance that though with how this is being used by the republican party as a whole to justify a mass crackdown on voting rights because of the hysteria, the, the, the vague and inchoate conspir- hysteria that's been bolstered by all of these conspiracies about what nefarious thing happened in the election. This is the stuff that is, builds the plinth on which the Republican Party is building
1: its current platform. Ah, beware the plinth builders. They are building a plinth. Upon which they will build their platform. Thus pronounceth the Ubermensch, Comrade Maddow, who will later take off her cape and switch back to being Chris Hayes. Now, before this segment, Rachel Maddow brought up Italy Gate, which is not something I've spent much time at all on the podcast discussing one because it's just a lot to wrap your head around and there's not enough solid information at this point to really make it worth discussing you know we talk occasionally about the two paths and steve bannon on the war room describes it as kind of the ground game and the air game the ground game is like putting people on precinct committees and doing the audits and the canvassing and trying to retake school boards and get rid of critical race theory, all the stuff that can happen on a real tangible local level and stuff that is going to reform the system from the ground up. And then, of course, the air game is the Mike Lindell, the Sidney Powell stuff. The stuff about the machine switching foreign interference in the elections and the Italy gate stuff is actually a part of the air game that is even beyond that stuff. It is so unreachable in a, I guess, holistic way right now that I haven't spent a lot of time on it. But if you're interested in it, a good person to follow for that is Garrett Ziegler on Telegram And Garrett and I are in touch, and I will eventually have him on to explain all of that once that stuff comes to more fruition. But Rachel Maddow talking about it is completely pointless, unless she's just somehow priming her audience to look into a new story. Or perhaps she's signaling to them, go out, check this out, talk about how stupid it is because you can't understand it, and then make this the thing we're going to say everyone else believes in. So, But right before the segment I just played, she actually had the nerve to suggest that Michael Flynn is being paid to speak at these different conferences and appearances. There is no indication anywhere that that's true, and I highly doubt it to be true. If Rachel Maddow has proof of that, She should produce it. But otherwise, she's calling Michael Flynn a grifter, a man who was literally politically persecuted by the government of the United States as actual communist sympathizing grifters like Rachel Maddow were out there cheering the political persecution of a fellow citizen a fellow citizen who had actually devoted his life to the cause of American liberty. So that's just gross. Rachel Maddow is actually just a terrible person beyond being unintentionally hilarious on television and panicking and confusing every child-brained communist that watches MSNBC.
2: Right. A takeover of of election administration procedures for their party alone, wherever they can do it.
1: Oh, got to stop you right there, comrade. A wholesale change of election processes to benefit only one party. That is what she is accusing Republicans of because they don't want to vote for a wholesale change of voting practices. That would benefit only one party. That is deranged. The amazing thing about these commies is how often they call themselves out. And I'm going to show you more examples of that all day long. But that's what she's talking about. She's talking about HR one and I guess S one, the House and Senate bills that are going to attempt to take elections processes in management and put them all in the hands of the federal government. So that this one centralized organization can make all the rules and do all the audits. They have full control over the elections and no one can contest them because the control will be completely taken away from the states. They can have universal mail in balloting. They can have universal ballot harvesting. They can make elections two months long. They can hire all all of the election workers and the election judges. They can take as much money as they want from Mark Zuckerberg. All those things are just fine under this new Democrat legislation that will hopefully never pass. But she is actually trying to convince her audience that Republicans not wanting to change the entire voting system is actually Republicans changing the entire voting system so they benefit. And let's rewind a little further. Because what the Democrats did in all of these quote-unquote swing states in 2020 was that they changed the entire voting system to benefit their party. And they did it in conjunction with Mark Zuckerberg and other private influences, other outside influences. They literally have already changed all of the voting practices to benefit their party. And Rachel Maddow is suggesting that those changes not being made permanent and put into place across the entire country by the federal government is someone else changing the rules to benefit their party. That is madness. A
2: draconian and wholesale rollback of voting rights and ballot access everywhere they can control it
1: in the states. Okay. So let's talk about what draconian is for one second, because communists use that a lot. And basically every time they do, all they're talking about Is anyone saying no to the stuff they want? Oh, this is draconian. So what draconian is referring to is an Athenian legislator in the 7th century who imposed strict punishments for lawbreaking and held back progress, let's say. It describes a means of reacting to problems that is kind of a blunt instrument, right? It's not very effective. It is unnecessarily severe, maybe cruel. And that's how Rachel Maddow is describing voter ID. (laughs) So it's not exactly the death penalty for a parking ticket or forced servitude For not paying taxes, but apparently it's on the same slippery slope. (laughs) One day we have voter I.D. The next day you have to become Rachel Maddow's butler if you park in a handicapped spot. And of course, she's also talking about a rollback of voting rights. But where is the rollback of anyone's rights? People's rights are not being affected at all by having to show voter ID. Almost all voters already have an acceptable form of ID. You are actually diminishing and destroying someone's right to have their vote counted, to have their vote represent one person by allowing all of these different methods for cheating in elections. And that's exactly what the Democrat bill tries to do. And that's exactly what all the changes last year were aimed at. This is a system that is being implemented to enable cheating on the part of the Democrats. They are doing exactly what she is describing. They are rigging the system to the benefit of one party. To whatever extent that system may help. Republicans, that is only a factor of those Republicans being rhinos. They are Romneys. They are helped by the Uniparty. They are helped by the global communist agenda. So they are happy to go along with it. Those are the Republicans aided by this. So we can just toss them right in the bucket of commies and say, yeah, this only helps one party, the global communist party. Now, one thing that would really make comrade Ubermensch's point more effective would be if perhaps she might find one voter around the country who is unable to get an ID, one actual voter, and find that voter and put that voter on television and interview that voter, say, hey, voter, why is it so hard for you to get ID? (laughs) How come we never have that? How come we have never been shown one single person who is unable to get voter ID? What we have is a massive set of theoretical voters who are unable to get voter ID. Guess what they all have in common? Well, they're all black. Now, how does a theoretical group of people all share one skin color. How does that happen? Oh, it's because the skin color is the only way they can smuggle an idea this bad through at least the communist child brain, because no one else could ever possibly believe this. And the truth is, if they actually tried to find a voter who would be unable to get voter ID they could probably get that voter a voter ID before they could finish filming the segment. It would probably take less time to find that person an ID than it would to locate an actual example of the person they're pretending to help. And you'll notice that many people have brought up the idea of, well, Hey, I mean, if voter ID is the problem, why don't we just implement a program to locate the people who can't get IDs and then give them IDs? And to my knowledge, no Democrat has ever supported that.
2: But as crazy as all this stuff is, that's what it's being used for. And the Democrats are going to take their biggest shot tomorrow afternoon at trying to stop it.
1: You'll notice that long pause was for dramatic effect where she stared in panic at the camera so that all her child-brained viewers knew, oh no, this is the serious part. Oh my God. They have their big shot tomorrow afternoon. What if it doesn't work? This is the only way they can stop it? Wait, wait, wait a second. How is the only way they can stop state legislation through forcing through federal legislation? Why couldn't they just stop it at the state level? Oh, it's because they didn't win enough elections at the state level, even with the cheating. Well, that's strange. They figured they had it all sewn up. And once again, we have an example of the communist incompetence, right? If they wanted all of this stuff to go through, they should have gone all the way. Instead, they took half measures so that they could maintain the integrity of these systems. They could maintain enough of a base who would actually believe that Joe Biden got 81 million votes, but they failed. The half measures didn't work. They didn't get enough control. So now they can't stop things like that, which is why they immediately made HR one one of their biggest priorities. They have to cement into law all the various ways they cheated last year. So that not only can they not get in trouble for what they did last year, they can use it to cheat again and again and again, because otherwise they would never win an election again. And you'll notice the second half after the very dramatic pause, she talked about how this would be the Democrats' biggest effort in trying to stop it. Well, this effort is not even supported by two Democrats. And this is, aside from any discussion of the filibuster, which is also not going to happen, So their biggest and best shot is having 48 senators, two of whom they have been harassing relentlessly, even though they are Democrats. And it's still not going to work. And so they need to really cement this narrative that this is all about those evil Republicans and how much they don't want black people to vote. The people who don't want black people to actually vote and to have the black vote legitimately represented are the Democrats. They're the blue state, big city Democrats who have been stealing systematically the black vote for decade after decade after decade. And what did we see last fall? We saw the black vote rise for Trump. We saw the Hispanic vote rise for Trump. They certainly don't talk about The Hispanic vote much anymore, do they? Now they just assume that the Hispanic thing is part of the black thing. They're just the same now. You know, those other races who aren't white. They literally describe everything that way and pretend they're not racist. How is that even possible? How is it possible that anyone still believes this? It is beyond me. But I am glad that she is admitting. That the best chance Democrats have to override laws that are being legally and constitutionally passed in the states is to pass sweeping reform at the federal level by telling everyone it's racist not to. That's the whole program. When the
2: Democrats tomorrow bring their big voting rights and election protection bill to the Senate floor for the very first time. And in the Beltway Press, expectations are not high for whether or not they are going to be able to pull it off. But it is their best shot at heading off what the Republicans are doing, even though the, the undergirding and the pretext for what the Republicans are doing lies in territory this insane. What the Democrats are up with with that bill tomorrow, it's as real and as dangerous as its pretext is absolutely cockamamie and bananas. And that's where we
1: are. Well, that whole last bit didn't make any sense because what she just said is that what the Democrats are trying to do is is dangerous. And I guess we are just supposed to agree that all the audits are just crazy and cockamamie and bananas. But also, if the laws that are being passed in the states are discriminatory, and they there's an there's an equal protection argument to be made against these laws. Why aren't they taking it to court? Right. Democrats trust the courts. Trusting the courts is their entire argument about the elections. You've got to trust CISA. They said it was the most secure election of all time on November 12th, even though that statement looks like it was uttered from the mouth of a complete retard seven months later. And it was, of course, Chris Krebs. We can see that if nothing else is true, there is no way any sane, rational, intelligent person could possibly believe that was the most secure election of all time. And it wasn't. So they have that. They have Bill Barr's very milquetoast statement about how he hadn't seen any. Evidence to that point that would suggest to him at that point that the fraud had been widespread enough to overturn the result of the election. And their other point is the courts, the courts who didn't see any of the evidence. And when they did decided with the Trump campaign, but those courts, we must trust them. The courts threw it all out. They threw out all these cockamamie cases. Trust the courts. Except now you don't trust the courts. Apparently. Because if the Republican legislators and legislatures are passing laws that violate the Constitution and violate equal protection, which is the claim she's making, that these laws would unduly affect certain classes of people. And if you could nail down the fact that they were affecting certain classes of people, then you could have the laws overturned. But again, we're talking about classes of people that they have just simply invented classes of people that legitimately do not exist. What is the class of people that cannot get an ID? Define that class. Show me examples. And then maybe I'll start thinking you have a legitimate concern, but they've never done that. And the truth is they don't trust the courts. They only trust the courts when the courts do the things they want. The entire Black Lives Matter movement couldn't be more centered around the idea that the courts do not bring justice. And all of these communists are on board with that. So they trust the courts completely when it comes to the few that have dealt with election cases from last fall. And beyond that, they don't trust the courts at all. Certainly not enough to have them look over an important issue like voter rights and discrimination and violations of equal protection. Why don't they take it to the courts? Why don't they come out and say these laws violate equal protection and we are going to fight these laws? We are going to take them to court and we're going to have this decided by the courts because the laws that are being passed are unconstitutional. They don't make that argument at all. They just say that everyone else is a bad, crazy person. They're draconian for wanting to know that every vote is attached to an actual voter. And the further we get in these audits, we see that that simply isn't true. Not only is every vote not attached to a real voter, hundreds of thousands and likely tens of millions of votes are not attached to actual voters. And I should say 10 plus million because tens would imply 20 million or more. And I think it's probably around 20 million, but we'll see if you're going to tell me it's less than 15 million. I'm going to think you're insane. There is no way Joe Biden got more votes than Hillary Clinton while Donald Trump upped his vote total by 12 million. That did not happen. Why? Because it's impossible. Am I going overboard by saying that? No. How do I know that? Because the way the vote came in, the way the vote was reported, statistically impossible. So I don't really have to consider, oh, yeah, well, you know, these statistically impossible things did happen, but it's not impossible that Joe Biden got 15 million extra votes. No, it's totally impossible. Joe Biden did not get 81 million votes, and if you think he did, you are a stone-cold moron. Now it's time for more panic.
3: Joining us now is Maricopa County recorder and Republican Stephen uh, Richer. Mr. Richer, appreciate you being with us. What is your understanding of what's going to happen when these so-called, you know, uh, these quote-unquote results come out from the so-called audit in
1: Arizona, and what exactly is the process For returning the ballots. It's actually amusing to me. That they are so careful. To always call everything. About the audit. So called. Or fake. The results. If the audit was a so called audit. And not a real audit. The results of that. Would still be real. They're not so called results. They're the real results of a so called audit. But they want to make sure that. All the child brains know that every bit of it is illegitimate. So, even the results are not real results, they're so called results. The end of that question is interesting, though, because he's asking about how the ballots will be returned to Maricopa County. He's suggesting a break in the chain of custody that would invalidate the results of the audit. And I think I've said this before, I've thought about it for a while. But this is going to be another attempt by the county and by other locations where audits will happen. They're going to try to find another place where they can poison the process. So he's creating a plinth for that.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you very much for having me on, Anderson. I really appreciate it. And part of the problem has been that we haven't gotten clarity about this process. We don't know exactly what to expect. But we do understand that there will be some sort of report and that might be issued in late July, but it might take longer than that.
1: So you don't know what to expect because you're not sure how long the report will take to come out. You know what to expect. You expect, like everyone else expects, that the audit will find various ways that the election was defrauded, that the election was illegitimate in every single possible way. That's what you should expect, Stephen Richer.
0: But look, we think that the Arizona Senate boarded this train without knowledge of where it was going, and I don't think it's going to a good place.
3: Ah, panic. The fact, I mean, you're, we talked to Katie Hobbs in the last hour, she's a Democrat, you're a Republican.
1: Oh, look at that. It's fair and balanced. See, we put a Democrat communist on and now we have a Republican communist. That means we're getting both sides of the story. It's hilarious that they've put Stephen Richer in this position. The Board of Elections, Board of Supervisors, they're not out there talking anymore. It's all Stephen Richer, the eventual fall guy. He's going to go to jail.
3: <laughs>
1: this is...
3: It's unbelievable to me, or I guess not, I shouldn't say unbelievable, but disturbing to me that there are politicians from around the country coming to Maricopa County, taking tours of this, you know, audit, so-called, and to suddenly be subjected to this vitriol from, you know, the QAnon folks and the Stop the Steal folks, so-called, and and all these other people, It's it's just depressing, and it seems like... What is to stop this from just being the future now that every election partisans, you know, if Republicans win, you know, folks who are out on the far fringes on the left, are. what's to stop them from doing this?
1: Say what you will about Anderson Cooper, but Anderson Cooper has a history of speaking clearly. And right now he sounds like a blithering idiot. Also note that he made a distinction between the QAnon folks and the Stop the Steal folks. I thought those were the same thing. I thought that was the whole point, that only QAnon conspiracy theorists wanted to Stop the Steal. Is CNN changing their position on this? Are some of the Stop the Steal people not conspiracy theorists? I'm so confused now. Or are they only so-called? And yeah, Anderson, what is to stop the folks on the fringes of the far left from doing this? How about nothing? How about we don't care? How about you can have a full forensic audit done on camera where all the ballots are examined by hand and by technology and counted properly so that the count is definite and true. And you can have observers and participants from both parties in there. Yeah, nothing's going to stop them. That's perfect. We all sign up. Thanks for the invitation.
0: Or you don't even have to have a close election. I mean, mean, there is no good reason for doing this. So if you lost by 15%, why wouldn't you throw that into doubt too? Because some of the allegations that are being made, about 200,000 ballots being brought in from China, that would swing not just a close race, but a race that had a wide margin of victory.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what it would do. Man, Stephen Richer really understands what's happening. Now, first of all, no one has claimed that 200,000 ballots were brought in from China. I think the number on that is 40,000. And it remains to be seen whether or not that's true. What is true is that an airplane landed with Chinese officials in Arizona and the plane wasn't properly inspected. And there is strong reason to believe that they did, in fact, transport ballots in from China. Could that be wrong? Yes, it could be wrong. Is it wrong? We don't know. Does it sound like Stephen Richer thinks it's wrong? No, it doesn't sound like he thinks it's wrong. The 200,000 ballots is just ballots that are missing, ballots that they simply made up. Or I guess more accurately, votes that they simply made up which could be just a result of ballots being put through the machines over and over and over again, creating a number of votes far higher than the number of ballots. And that is a critical number to know, as I've discussed at long length. But Stephen Richer is really nailing it, realizing that the scale of fraud they are suggesting could swing races that weren't close. No, we actually don't need to have a close race to warrant a full forensic audit. That's a great point, Stephen Richard. Thank you for bringing it up. That'll be front of mind for all of us now that anytime we see a race that suggests rampant fraud, we should have a full forensic audit. And I would love to start with California personally, because I spent 18 and a half years of my life in California knowing full well how corrupt the state is. And that was on complete full display throughout 2020 on election fraud on COVID on everything else that is not in doubt. So yeah, we would love to have full forensic audits no matter how wide the margin is because we would actually like to find out what the actual voters really want. That's the entire point of elections. And if forensically auditing every single election in the country will give us the true and legitimate result, that's exactly what we want. You guys get it so much now. It's so heartening to see all these communists finally understanding the point. And I wish just for once that Anderson Cooper would ask this question and that this question be asked of Anderson Cooper. Hey, do you really believe that Joe Biden received 81 million votes? How many do you believe that he legitimately received? Because, of course, they'll immediately say, well, you know, there's some level of of fraud and error in every election, but not enough to swing it. Okay, well, how much is acceptable and how much actually happened? Do you believe that Joe Biden got 80 million votes? Do you believe he got 79 million votes? Do you believe he got 78 million votes? Let's keep going back until you start admitting your doubt, which you must have unless you're stupid, haven't looked, or you're lying. So at some point there, even people like Anderson Cooper, if they were pressed to give their own individual opinion, would have to respond. But we don't have a media that asks people to support their own opinions. We have a media that asks these questions and then allows answers like, well, CISA said it was the most secure election of all time. Okay, well, that's not an answer to the question. Do you personally believe that Joe Biden got 81 million votes? Answer that question. And this happened last week. In a press conference for Nancy Pelosi, someone asked her, do you believe that a fetus at 15 weeks represents a human life? And Nancy Pelosi answered it by saying that she believes in a woman's right to choose, which I'm sure she really does believe, but is nonetheless not an answer to the question, is a 15-week-old fetus a person? Now, It's totally possible that she could say yes or no, or I'm not sure that's something that I can possibly judge with exactness and authority, which is a fairly reasonable position to have, at least for the sake of argument. But she didn't answer the question and no one ever presses anyone. To answer these questions, the entire point of having representative government is that the people who are trying to be the representatives actually do have to answer questions about what they personally think so that the voters can make an assessment of that person's character and priorities based on their own answers. People actually should be expected to answer difficult questions honestly if they want to be placed in positions of power over others. And our society currently does not demand that. And part of that is a factor of media. Part of it is a factor of having so many attorneys in office. And part of it is a factor of just having so many liars in society that we expect and allow a certain amount of dishonesty and misdirection. But there are few things we need to stop more than that. People actually have to give their own answers so that they can be held accountable for their own positions. They don't get to say that they trust the results of the election because of this other thing. If you trust the results of the election, because of sissa's statement then you're saying you trust sissa and if you're going to say that you trust sissa then you should be able to explain the basis on which you trust sissa otherwise you are simply making an argument to authority where none exists but bartender another round of panic <laughs>
3: If a company chooses, you know, if a private company which seems to—I mean, our Kyung went down to Florida to try to find their offices, and they don't really seem to have offices. They have kind of like shells of offices where people are paid to, I guess, answer a phone uh, for many companies.
1: Uh, and, and some guy. In my- Wait, what was that? Was that a Fauci squeak just performed by Anderson Cooper? Let's listen again. Uh, and, and some guy in. My- yes. A Fauci squeak, the ultimate sign of panic.
3: <laughs> Montana now has some of this data in his house, in his remote house or cabin. I don't know what he's doing with that. What is just, and again, yeah, we don't even know really wh- wh- where he is. It, what is to stop, you know, these, this company or these people From just coming forward and saying, oh, well, these bamboo, these, these ballots were made out of bamboo or we found traces of bamboo from them because they were shipped from China. Who's to say, I mean, obviously it's not the case, but what do you do
1: in that case? They took her data all the way out to the remote hills of Montana and someone just has it in his house. (laughs) I can't believe he has the data there and he's going to analyze the data. We have even tried to go to the house. We've even tried to get drone footage of the house where the data is to figure out some way that what they're doing is very wrong and very scary. Anderson Cooper has been reduced to babbling his way through sentences as if he's Joe Biden.
4: Yeah, I mean, that's a great question because we think that's exact, there's, there is nothing to stop them from saying any of those things. Um, and so what our what we have seen it to be our job to do is to shed light on what's happening in the Coliseum the best we can. We had to go to court to force them to disclose their procedures, allow independent observers in the room and even allow reporters in the room.
1: Now, wait a second. The entire audit, is being broadcast on the internet with an array of cameras every single second that the audit is happening. So she's just straight up lying and there are reporters at the audit and there have been the entire time.
4: Um and and with that limited transparency at least we've gotten enough information to be able to say look what they're doing here is not an audit. They are not following best practices.
1: What she's saying here is that what's happening in Arizona is not an audit as defined by people like Katie Hobbs. This is not an audit according to elections procedures. Everybody on our side would admit that it's not that kind of audit. This is a real audit, a forensic audit where they actually try to determine what happened. They're not trying to figure out a way to tell everybody that whatever happened is just fine. That's the kind of audit she wants. Best practices are not actual best practices. They're not in any way the best methods to find the actual result and whether or not fraud happened. They're just what's advised by people who put the rules in place to cheat in the first place.
4: And there's nothing going on here that lends any credibility to the outcome that's going to come out of it. And so, I mean, that's that's what we've been able to do. But but I am concerned about what happens when this report comes out, um, because we know, number one, the election that we certified, um, those certified results are an accurate reflection of the will of the voters in Arizona.
1: Wait, what? That's not the standard. The standard is not for you to decide whether or not the will of the voters was represented in the results that you certified. The point is to understand that you accurately counted the votes and she didn't say that. That's just political language. People can say that the will of the people represents whatever they want it to. People say that all the time. The Democrats pretend that making sure no voter ID happens is a majority opinion, even though 70 plus percent of black voters want voter ID in place. They can lie about the will of the people all the time, and they do.
4: And number two, there's nothing that can be done now to overturn the election, even if this audit was valid.
1: Kind of giving the game away there, aren't you, Katie? So this audit is bad because there's nothing you can do about it, even if it turns out that there was massive fraud in Arizona. Is that where you want to plant your flag, Katie? Because that seems very dangerous for you. The actual headline that should be attached to this clip is Katie Hobbs, colon, Elections can't be overturned, even if we totally defrauded the voters. That would be honest.
4: Um, And so but there are many people, um, I think you said one out of three Americans that believes that Joe Biden was not duly elected. What are they going to do when this report comes out? Um, And that's the scary thing.
1: Yes, that's very scary. (laughs) And it's actually way more than one third, Katie Hobbs. It is lovely that Democrat communists are now being forced to admit that over a third of the country believes that Joe Biden is only in office due to rampant fraud and cheating and abuse. That's a fact. It's actually much higher than that, and we've seen polling indicating that it's much higher than that. But even at one third, they should be horrified. A third of the country believes Joe Biden is sitting illegitimately in office, okay? Again, I think it's much more than that, and I think we have polling that shows that. But a third is a huge amount of people. That's exactly as many people as actually voted for Joe Biden, which I'm sure that we will see something relatively close to that. About a third of American adults voted for Joe Biden. If it's somewhere between 50 and 65 million, then that's roughly accurate. But here's the scary thing that they are actually afraid of. They are afraid that that one third which is probably more like 50 plus percent is going to turn into 60 percent, 70 percent, 75 percent. How high will it go once the country is told, yeah, this Arizona count is off by hundreds of thousands of votes. And it not only affects the presidential race, but bye-bye, Mark Kelly. Now you don't have a senator. You think the Democrats might wake up and realize something happened at that point? Yeah, I think so. And then what happens when that happens in Georgia and then Pennsylvania? There's a possibility they're going to announce a full forensic audit in Pennsylvania this week. And that would be excellent. This narrative is only going one direction. It's not going to get turned around. People aren't going to actually believe that the audit isn't real. It's on camera, you sociopaths. They know what's coming, and they know that nothing can stop it. But they're still going to try. So let's hear from Jen Saki.
5: If I can follow up on, on voting rights here. Um, yesterday, you said that there's more work to be done. Uh, among that is including engaging state legislatures. But the problems, as Democrats at least see it, is not... Problems in blue states, state state legislatures, it's Republican controlled states where many of these decisions are already being made. So what leverage do you actually have and what realistically do you think you can accomplish in some of these, these red states? Well, first I think uh, the point we've been making is that it's part a federal approach that is needed and I think it's important to re- remember why we're at this point. Um, state legislatures, as you referenced across the country, are passing a wave of anti-voter laws based on the same repeatedly disproven lies that led to an assault on our nation's capital. They are putting these laws in place because they did not like the outcome, and they've continued to perpetuate a lie about the outcome of the election. That's why we're here. Uh, What the President and what the Vice President will do is engage with voting rights groups, engage with legislators who are supportive of expanding access to voting around the country. Yes, there are, even in red states, there are many Democratic legislators or legislators who want to expand that access, empower them, work with them, uh, support them in these efforts, and continue to fight to get legislation across the finish line on the federal level. Uh, So this fight is not over. Uh, No matter the outcome today, it is going to continue.
1: Got that. They're going to fight this battle by working with Democrats in red states who don't have any power to fight this battle. That's her answer hey, yeah, we're just going to uh, get further inside our tiny communist bubble and try to convince the communists in the bubble to be extra angry. And we think that that will probably work. These are the most incompetent people in the world. There's a point that I feel like I'm reaching where I actually start feeling some human pity for these people among the feeling of, oh, I can't wait to watch these people go down in flames as they are obviously doing. But I think that this afternoon I'm probably going to spend a little time creating a, a video like one of those uh, Sarah McLaughlin videos for uh, what is it? The ASPCA, like where it's just all these wounded animals and you got like in the arms of an angel. This is that playing over sad pictures of Anderson Cooper and Jen Psaki and Katie Hobbs and all these other communists, like as they're whimpering and panicking and flubbing their words, and <laughs> and they've got this thousand-yard stare, like they look like they just got back from Nam. It is. Amazing! It's like we need people to rescue them somehow. I cannot believe that this is the all-star team. They're like, oh my God, this inevitable conclusion is drawing closer every day. What do we do? Well, let's put Rachel Maddow and Anderson Cooper out there to interview the dumbest commies in the world. That'll solve it. And speaking of exactly that bubble, boom segue, this article is from yesterday on Outkick. Twitter is America's target audience and has misled the most powerful. Shocker. I've never talked about that before, ever. Breaking news. Though we assume that power is invincible, independent, and everlasting, it's not. I don't know who assumes that. Power is received and granted. A celebrity gains power through fan attention. U.S. elected officials are given power by lying to or convincing voters. Saved passwords empower Silicon Valley. It's pretty funny. Power is as sustainable as the group supporting it. It's marketing 101. Pick a target audience, appeal, and adjust as they say. Just hope the targeted group is sane. If not, power is in the hands of the unreasonable. Ask our country's leaders. In the last four years, Twitter has become America's target audience and subsequently one of the most powerful groups in the country. Applicants are hired if their Twitter accounts are presentable. Employees are fired if their past tweets don't age well. Politicians build laws with social media reactions in mind. Major media companies promote, demote, and protect personalities based on retweets and likes. Corporate America's decisions attempt to anticipate social media results. When America is called racist by too many blue check marks, curriculum is changed. In other words, America's most influential individuals and industries are at the mercy of the most frequently seen and shared Twitter accounts. As a result, these accounts dictate state policy, education, entertainment, and industry. That's who has the power. But who exactly are these people? They are the most easily offended, bored, pampered, and hateful sociopaths in our population. They all think alike. Yet the all is still quite small in raw numbers. Pew data finds that 3% of the population creates 90% of all tweets sent. Only 8% of the U.S. population is active on Twitter. Late night TV, award shows, and comedy have adjusted content to correspond with Twitter reaction. Appealing to just 8% of viewers is bad business. Now all three hemorrhage viewers for a nominal group of actual viewers. In addition to a misleading sample size, Twitter has convinced the media, corporations and politicians to adopt a narrow worldview. The same Pew study finds that Twitter users are D plus 15. That's Democrat plus 15. Were Twitter a state, it'd tie Hawaii and Vermont as America's most liberal. What's more, the 10% of Twitter users who post 92% of all tweets are D plus 43. Plus 43. Herein lies the disconnect. Twitter has told decision makers that Americans agree that the country is systemically racist, that white supremacy is the country's greatest threat, that Americans, by and large, are okay being viewed merely on the color of their skin. In reality, though, Americans rarely agree on any topic. We are a divided country, yet Twitter has led us to believe that the divide is based not on substance, but hate. One side is right, the other is hateful, racist, and ignorant so people feel justified in ignoring those with different opinions. Politicians before were incentivized to answer voters pressing questions and concerns. Twitter now convinces politicians that Americans lack curiosity. Questions aren't welcome on social media. Big tech censors the few who dare to question authority before their concerns are answered. Remember those who questioned if COVID-19 originated naturally? Twitter's value as a platform for ideas has substantially diminished since it embraced partisan censorship. Buck Sexton tells Outkick, if you can't question lockdowns or election results, there's clearly a hand on the scale for the left at all times. In public, the Friends reunion was a friendly conversation. On Twitter, users couldn't get over that six straight white people were allowed together in 2021. It's easier to measure online complaints than conversations over dinner. Thus, blue chip media outlets write pandering headlines. Commentary. They should have called the Friends reunion The one where they ignored diversity, the Los Angeles Times writes. Twitter's misrepresentation of America has influenced those in power. That's true power. Twitter is not useless. Content pushed on Twitter reaches more people than content hidden. Paul Feinbaum calculated this, telling Outkick he now primarily uses Twitter as a means to encapsulate what we are going to do on our show or have done. Thus, Feinbaum uses Twitter as a megaphone for his show. Disney, Comcast, Coke, AT&T, and Congress, by contrast, see Twitter as a microphone for a small section of the country. Companies and organizations adopt the personality to whom they answer. Ever wonder why D.C., Hollywood, New York, Silicon Valley, and newsrooms are so offended right now? Why they come across as so miserable? Why each has such a profound disdain for traditional American values? Look no further than their target audience. And this exactly nails it. And it has the stats from the pupil to support that. So what we have is content that is overwhelmingly leftist being read by an audience that is overwhelmingly leftist. And then we have these massive corporations who are so afraid of being called racist or sexist by Twitter that they are just setting fire to their businesses. They are making permanently bad business decisions on the basis of this minute fraction of society with an outsized voice. And this is incompetence. Okay. It is incompetent. It is stupid. It is ignorant to think that you should destroy a business that is a cultural institution like Coca-Cola, for instance, at the behest of these people. But the even darker truth is that it's not just at the behest of these people, because these people are working at the behest of the Chinese Communist Party that has its hands in every one of these businesses and also pays many of these commentators and many of their outlets to produce content exactly like this. So what we have is just this recycled nonsense that every time it spins around, it just gets a little bit darker, a little more evil, a little more vicious, and it appeals to fewer and fewer and fewer people. It's collapsing on itself. And these people with actual power, are too scared to face that. And that's how we all become communists. apparently. Now, speaking of communists, pretty good boom segue. Gotta say, gotta say. Didn't even see my own segue coming, but it worked. Now, I want to update some things on this Dong Jingwei story that I talked about, I believe, on Friday. This is the Chinese defector. It is being more and more widely reported. And I want to just take a look at how a communist blog is reporting about this, because as it's important to listen to people like Rachel Maddow and Anderson Cooper to see what the commies are being told, this is very illustrative of where the narrative is going to go and how they're trying to head it off. So check this out. This is the Daily Beast from Thursday, last week, June 17th, rumors of U.S. secretly harboring top China official swirl. It's from spy talk, Jeff Stein and Matthew Brazil reports that a top Chinese official defected to the U.S. have swept Chinese language media this week. The alleged reason sharing sensitive information about COVID-19 origins. Okay, so that's the sub headline. And right there, you can already make out their misdirection. If you remember what I talked about on Friday, the reporting from Red State and Town Hall and others, this was not only about the COVID-19 origins. So I'm going to read this article, and then I'm going to refer back to that Red State thing to see what actually is going on or what is rumored to be going on. Chinese-language anti-communist media and Twitter are abuzz this week with rumors that a vice minister of state security, Dong Jingwei, Defected in mid February, flying from Hong Kong to the United States with his daughter, Dong Yang. Now, you hear that? Anti communist media. <laughs> Chinese language anti communist media. You're kind of giving up the game there, Daily Beast. You're like Katie Hobbsian in that first sentence. If there is such a thing as Chinese anti communist media, what is the rest? Of Chinese media. Pray tell. Dong Jingwei supposedly gave the U.S. information about the Wuhan Institute of Virology that changed the stance of the Biden administration concerning the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, isn't that interesting? You see that? The stance from the Biden regime was changed because of Dong Jingwei. It wasn't changed because the original stance was completely based on Absolute lies peddled and propagated and perpetuated by Anthony Fauci and Peter Daszak and our media. That's not the problem. The problem is we just didn't know all this real information, even though Li Mingyan has existed for the entire time and has been telling us the entire time. And if people actually had open minds and a desire to find information, The whole country could have known this. In fact, if we didn't have a fully functioning dystopian censorship regime, the entire country actually would already know this and accept it as true. And we can talk about the country being divided all we want, but the country is more than willing to unite and unify around the truth once people are finally told it. But that's not what happens in a censorship regime. Some people find the truth. Everyone else is prevented from hearing the truth, even from their own friends and neighbors. That's the goal of censorship. And that's exactly what happened. Dong is or was a longtime official in China's Ministry of State Security, also known as the Guoanbu. His publicly available background indicates that he was responsible for the ministry's counterintelligence efforts in China, i.e. spy catching, since being promoted to vice minister in April 2018. If the stories are true, Dong would be the highest level defector in the history of the People's Republic of China. Dong's defection was raised by Chinese officials last March at the Sino-American Summit in Alaska, according to Dr. Han Lianchao, a former Chinese foreign minister. Official foreign ministry official before defecting after the 1989 Tiananmen Square massacre. In a Wednesday tweet, Han, citing an unnamed source, alleged that China's foreign minister Wang Yi and Communist Party foreign affairs boss Yang Ji demanded that the Americans return Dong, and U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken refused. Now, right there is another false assertion in the Daily Beast article. The story. Is that Anthony Blinken and Joe Biden had not the slightest idea that Dong had even defected? Anthony Blinken refused to return Dong to China because Anthony Blinken had absolutely no idea what they were talking about. The US Secretary of State and the fake president had no idea. That Dong had even defected and was currently in American custody. Allegedly. Former Pentagon State Department and CIA expert Nicholas Eftemiadis, author of Chinese Espionage, Operations and Tactics, called the report exactly what it is, a rumor. It happens all the time. That doesn't sound panicked either in the information warfare between Beijing and anti-communist overseas Chinese. But he called Dr. Han, a pro-democracy activist with the Washington, D.C.-based Citizen Power Initiative for China group, a straight shooter not known to exaggerate in any way or form, trusted for his integrity. So which one is it? Molly saltskog a senior intelligence analyst with the Sufan Group, who earned a master's degree in global affairs from... Tsinghua University in Beijing also urged caution, saying the rumors of defection surface regularly. Yeah, you would never expect that coming from someone who is educated in a Chinese university. (laughs) While significant and certainly useful for our intelligence efforts, she added, one high level defection will not drastically change our understanding or approach to China. In short, if true, this is potentially significant, but not a game changer. Oh, sure it's not. The State Department did not respond to a request by press time. It typically does not comment on defectors, especially ones they don't know anything about. A half dozen experts on Chinese intelligence, queried by Spy Talk, said they had no information to share on Dong's alleged defection. Oh, so they don't know about it either. How expert are they exactly? Chinese language press stories also claim that Dong's daughter Yang defected with him. From Hong Kong on or about February 10th, she is allegedly the former spouse of a senior Alibaba executive, Jiang Fan, who heads Tmall, China's big Amazon-like business. Without naming Dong, the pro-Trump website, Red State, reported on June 4th on a high-level defection from China, saying the Defense Intelligence Agency had received information from him that Beijing is covering up biological warfare research at the Wuhan lab and advanced its story to question the integrity of Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Got that? So according to the Daily Beast, a pro-Trump website is using this rumor To discredit Anthony Fauci, that's what the meat of this story really is, according to the Daily Beast, which is just a straight shooting centrist publication, not a far left communist blog that is totally compromised. And obviously so. Sources say The level of confidence in the defector's information is what has led to a sudden crisis of confidence in Dr. Anthony Fauci, adding that U.S. Army Medical Research Institute of Infectious Diseases personnel, detailed to DIA, have corroborated very technical details of information provided by the defector. Oh, so the defector may or may not exist, but this Army Medical Research Institute of Infectious Diseases has actually corroborated the information the rumored defector has presented. And all of these hurt Anthony Fauci. And it actually has nothing to do with the fact that Anthony Fauci is a complete liar and fraud and that that has been discovered by people all across the country and news outlets like the War Room, the National Pulse, Just the News, the Gateway Pundit, and Revolver. According to the authoritative paris-based newsletter intelligence online dong is quote close to chinese president xi jinping he previously headed the guoanbu in the region of uh hebei 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 god damn this is difficult which has produced many of xi's securocrats the publication reported in 2018 back in 2010 io reported that dong carried out orders from superiors in beijing to arrest quote four Japanese employees of the Fujita Corporation who were filming in a forbidden military zone, end quote. The move was seen at the time as a power play by state security against then-president Hu Jintao. Meanwhile, the Chinese State Council's official webpage, listing the top personnel in the Ministry of State Security, no longer lists any vice ministers working under MSS Minister Chang Wenqing. God damn it, it's impossible! Under personnel developments, it notes the corruption investigation against another former vice minister, Ma Jian, who was sentenced to life in prison in twenty eighteen. The vice minister section is blank. And that's the end of the article. So you got that? No one knows if Dong Jingwei is real and if he defected. I should say everybody knows he's a real person. They don't know if he has defected. They do know that if he has defected, he has given information that corroborates other information about technical aspects of the coronavirus, but that's only if he really has defected and Blinken refused to give dong back. The Daily Beast fails to mention that Anthony Blinken had no idea dong had defected and neither did Joe Biden. So if you want to understand the degree to which the fake administration is panicking, This Daily Beast article pretty much elucidates that in full. Now, let's check out what Red State has to say about what the rumored defector has actually presented to the American Defense Intelligence Agency, who has also prevented all of this information, including the fact that Dong defected from other American intelligence institutions, namely the CIA and the FBI, because the Chinese Communist Party has infiltrated those organizations as well. And not only that, they have to deal with people like John Brennan and James Clapper and James Comey, who are essentially at this point agents of global communism. And if that sounds extreme to you, ask yourself, why are they on MSNBC and CNN so much? Why are the very people that are trying to protect their own corrupt institutions considered experts on those institutions? My, my, that's so confusing. It's a mystery. Now, back to Red State. And this is from the same date, last Thursday, June 17th, Jennifer Van Lahr. Reporting and the headline, so you can find it, is Chinese defectors' identity confirmed was top in counterintelligence official. So I'm going to skip down near the end of this article. This section is critical. And while I'm laying out these bullet points, they list, consider the fact that the Daily Beast did not mention any of these, even though they have already referred to the Red State article, meaning that they've read it. Okay but they don't want any of the rest of this narrative out there to the communists because then they'll realize it's not just about Anthony Fauci. They're trying to present the idea that all of this is a takedown on Anthony Fauci, even though a lot of the communists have already given up on Fauci. So there's nothing else that can hurt them. It's just the Fauci thing again. So, you know, if you love Anthony Fauci, you can keep loving him because this is just rumored. And if you already dislike Anthony Fauci, then this is not going to change anything for you. Remember, we even said in the article, we had an expert say, this is not a game changer. But from the Red State article, in addition, Dong has provided DIA with the following information. Early pathogenic studies of the virus we now know as SARS-CoV-2. Models of predicted COVID-19 spread and damage to the U.S. and the world. Financial records detailing Which exact organizations and governments funded the research on SARS-CoV-2 and other biological warfare research? Names of U.S. citizens who provide intel to China. You got that? Names of U.S. citizens who provide intel to China. Do you imagine that the people providing intel to China are just the normal Americans you see at the grocery store? No, they're probably not. They're the ones in high levels of American institutions, like our universities, like our media, potentially our intelligence agencies, potentially even our military. That is a big bullet point. It's a shame the Daily Beast didn't bother to mention it. Names of Chinese spies working in the U.S. or attending U.S. universities. And that could be a full third of the Chinese students studying here. Financial records showing U.S. businessmen and public officials who've received money from the Chinese government. Got that? They're actually getting paid by the CCP. So that thing I was talking about before with the people on Twitter? Yeah, that's this. Details of meetings U.S. government officials had, perhaps unwittingly, with Chinese spies and members of Russia's SVR. Yeah, that doesn't just sound like Anthony Fauci, does it? And finally, how the Chinese government gained access to a CIA communication system leading to the death of dozens of Chinese people who were working with the CIA. Yes. How exactly did that happen? That there is quite a dig. If anyone feels like digging and that alone could blow the minds of the American public and severely, severely harm the deep state, which naturally would be a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's a shame the Daily Beast didn't mention all those things. Don't you think that those other elements would be important for all their communist readers to understand? Those do seem like fairly crucial things, don't they? Maybe it's just me. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and parlor at I'm Your Moderator. Soon, I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'mYourModerator.substack.com, where you can donate, or you can donate at Anchor.fm by searching "Be Reasonable" with your moderator Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain.
0: Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast.
1: In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app.